in verse 38. Now, I'll have nothing on that verse. It wasn't a big, long prayer. I pray longer than he did in this thing, didn't it? <laughs> it was just a very short prayer. Come on, God. Come on, answer with fire. Let him know that you're God. That's it. That was it. Sometimes we need to have some of those prayers because you don't have to say a lot. It isn't the lengthy prayers that gets God to answer our requests. doesn't matter how long we pray. We can pray short day. God, heal him. God, meet this need. It doesn't have to be any big, lengthy, eloquent prayer. Because sometimes we don't have time to be eloquent. We don't have time to, to think about our words. We just have time to say, help. So we need to realize that. that it, isn't, it isn't the form of the prayer. It wasn't the number of words. Let's see. Elijah prayed, prayed 40 prayers, 40 words in his prayers. That means I've got to pray 40 words in my prayer if I want God's fire. Okay. And you're counting the words as you're praying. So God doesn't want any, any of that stuff going on. Verse uh, 38. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from the heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the wood and the stones. Wow, that must have been some fire, huh? Woo! Everything just, it's gone. And I thought, wow, that would have been something to see that, wouldn't it? Oh, I forgot the last part of that verse. And the dust even licked up all the water in the trenches. Okay, lifting up the dust, the rock, and the water. Wow, I'll bet there was steam pouring out from, that, from all that water being sucked up. Must have been something to be there. But he, God answered after Elijah was obedient. He did everything he was supposed to do. God told him to go there in the first place. God wanted him there. And he was obedient and he didn't have to do anything else. He just had to say, hey, God, let him know I'm your servant. Let him know that you're God. That's it. And whoa, just like that, everything was gone. And it consumed everything that was there. Every part of the altar, there was just nothing there. I don't know whether there's even a hole in the ground. If there was, it was just black dirt. <laughs> Of course, if you had been there, we'd see some black dirt from Mount Carmel on eBay. <laughs> get, get, a, get a vial of dirt from, from Mount Carmel. Didn't think about that. I think I, did, I think I did get some little rocks. I collected little rocks every place I went. So I probably got a rock from Mount Carmel I should have brought up this morning and, so you could see a rock from Mount Carmel. Of course, they're, not, they're just little rocks. I didn't want to carry big rocks on the plane with me. So, but he was willing to do everything to let God's sacrifice come upon the, on the sacrifice. Are, willing, are we willing to do that? In our own lives. We aren't going to have God's fire in our lives until we do the things that we have to do. Right. And that's basically the, the message of this, uh, these scriptures this morning. Verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. When God answers a prayer like this, there's no doubt who's in charge. It wasn't Elijah that did it. Elijah didn't have a secret little, little match in his hand to be able to do that kind of thing. Because if you've ever tried to start a fire with wet wood, you know how hard that is. We used to have some property, and we'd go up there, and it rained all day or something. We got there trying to start a fire, and it's hard. We started throwing tarps and stuff over our wood when we left so we wouldn't have that problem. But you'd have to dump gasoline on it. you have to do all this other kind of stuff and spend a lot of time trying to dry out the wood. So, but, but Elijah wanted the people to know that there was no trick and it was only God that could do it because this could not happen in the natural. They, they aren't as good with uh, fire as what we are today. We could have a torch out there and maybe start a fire faster. But they didn't have a torch. They didn't have any welding equipment there, Freddie. They didn't have nothing to start that fire with. So they knew that it had to be God. And Elijah wanted to make it seem as impossible as it could be. But he couldn't do it. It had to be God. And what happened? They believed it was God. And that's the object of the whole thing. When we have a revival, when we have a revival in our own personal heart, we want people to know that it was God. Amen. Not me, not anyone else turning over a new leaf, that it's God. 
And that's what we want in this community. When revival comes to this area or into our nation, it's going to have to be God because nothing else is going to be able to do it. Can't come because I don't care how good we want to be, we're not good enough. And no matter how, what good intentions I have, we can't legislate righteousness. They've tried and they can't do it. If we had, had a heart, whose, uh, a nation whose hearts were changed and served God, we wouldn't need a law against abortion. We wouldn't need a law against homosexuality or same-sex marriage. We wouldn't need all that stuff because nobody would want to do it anyway. Because God would be the one that's enforcing the things in our individual hearts. Because we can't legislate righteousness. But we can pray for revival and let God legislate righteousness from the heart. That's where it's got to come. It's got to come from our heart. Now, we not know that real revival comes when we are desperate for God to work. It's not going to come until we're desperate. Are we desperate this morning? Are we desperate for the word of God? Are we desperate to see souls saved? Desperate to see lives changed? When we are desperate for those things to happen, then our lives are going to be different, and the things that we're, our, our goals and our purposes are going to be different. Today, we want a program or a strategy for revival. Man, I'd just love to be able to go pick up a book off my bookshelf and say, oh, man, you want revival? Oh, this is the one, two, three, four. Oh, okay, I do all these four things, and we're going to have revival. But it's not simple like that. Because if it was simple, everybody would do it, number one. But God doesn't want that. God wants his people to be desperate for his touch and for his spirit to flow through his service. We, we want to be, we're spiritual lazy. That's what we are. We're lazy anyway as Americans. Man, we're lazy. Man, we, we hate it when our batteries go out on our remote, and we, ha we don't have any new ones to put in it. We have to get up and actually turn the channel. Man, how bad is that? Oh, don't go over to my house tonight. Oh, will you come, if you come over, will you bring me some batteries? My remote went out. Because we're lazy. And unfortunately, that laziness spills over into our spiritual life. And we want all these instant, instant solutions. We want a God remote. Revival, push this revival, push menu, and it puts up revival, healing, uh, filled with baptism, and you push the selection that you want and hit enter, and that's it. That's what we want. But that isn't what happens. God doesn't have a remote. He answers the desperateness of his people. And when we get desperate enough for God in our lives and in our church, that's when he's going to show up and show off his mighty power because God likes to show off that kind of stuff if we want him to. And that's what we need to do. So we need to be desperate for him. And the reason we don't see people saved and lives changed is because we're trying to create our own revival. We're trying to do it ourselves. And as long as we're trying to do something ourselves, oh, man, if I just dance the spirit a little bit here, then, 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 then that's what it'll take. And we try to work it up and we try to do all these other kind of things. But we can't work it up. We've got to let God's fire fall. God, we don't need no wildfire. There's plenty of power in God, and I want the real thing, don't you? I've seen Pentecost. I've seen what it looks like, and I've felt the hand of God and his power in lives, and I've seen it, and I've seen people, and it doesn't matter if somebody trying to push somebody down. I've seen people fall down because the mighty power of God, and we didn't have no catchers back then, and nobody ever got hurt. And I have this theory, if God knocks me down, he can take care of me. I've been knocked down once in my life, and I'll never forget that day. 
because we, I was singing in the choir at the church, and man, we was having a revival, and oh, the Spirit of God was moving, and I'm singing in the choir, and here goes this, here comes this preacher, and he's praying for everybody, and everybody he touches, man, they're going dead, they're dropping like flies, and I'm going, God, I am not going down, forget it, I am not going down, so I'm sitting there, and he's coming my way, and my heart's just a pounding in my chest, and I think, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm not going down, so I'm sitting there, and I lock my knees, and I lock my legs, and I just tense up like this, and he touches me, and I'm not kidding you, I went, boom, and I'm not kidding you, I've almost hurt myself, well, I did hurt myself, because for the now next week, every muscle in my body was sore, because I was like this, and when you tense up and something happens to you, then you strain your muscles. So, but every time I went, ow, oh, God, you're real, ow, oh, God, you're real, because I could feel it. I knew it in my body and in my spirit that there was a God in heaven, and if he wants to knock me down, he can do that. So I'm not afraid of it anymore. I was a little bit afraid of it because I'd never, you know, I've seen that kind of stuff. And I knew these people, so I knew they weren't, weren't making up no errors, and we didn't have time to get no catchers. But here we were in a whole choir, wham, 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 wham. And I fell on the chairs and then fell to the ground. I mean, anyway, I knew, I knew that there was a God that can do those kind of things. So I felt the power, and I felt that, and I wanted that for this church. Not so people can just fall down, because I don't care about that. I wanted to feel the consuming power and the consuming fire of God in their lives. Because I know when the fire falls, it burns up everything. It burns up all of our own desires. It burns up everything that, that displeases God in our lives. And that's what I want for this church. Not just so people can be on the ground and say, oh, yeah, it was a great service. People were falling out all over the place. No, I want them to talk about the power of God and the fire that falls and the difference that he makes in our lives because that's all that matters. And then when those kind of things happen, only God's going to get the glory. Only God got the glory on Mount Carmel. Elijah didn't because it wasn't him. He did everything to prove that it wasn't him. It was God that did it. And when God heals someone, it isn't the person that prays for him. It isn't this bottle of oil that I have, even though it came from Israel. It isn't in the bottle. It's in the power of God. And that's where it is. And we need to understand that. So when God does something, only God is going to get the credit and only God's going to get the glory. And that's what he wants us to do. And that's what he wants for his church. <clears throat> and then when that happens, then people will fall down and say, God, you are God. You there is a God in heaven, and he's real, because I've seen the power of God, and that's what's going to bring people. That's what's going to do it. So we need to re revival, but are we desperate enough for it? Are we desperate enough to, to teach the Bible? Are we desperate enough to, to share the gospel with other people? Are we de desperate enough to live the gospel? We can talk the talk, but are we willing to walk the walk? We have to live the gospel in our lives, so when they look at our lives, they can see God. And there's no doubt. But we need to be desperate enough to be willing to do that. We need to take a stand for God instead of being a bystander. We have too many bystanders in the church, don't we? They just sit there and, and you talk to people and you, they, they decide, they see them, oh, you're going to church? I didn't know you went to church. I've known you for five years and I didn't know you went to church. That's a bad testimony. <laughs> I let people know right off the bat when I went to a workplace, I was a Christian. I, I wasn't the kind that, you know, kind of snuck around and prayed over my food. I went and deliberately got in there, but I got sick, and then I, <laughs> I wanted to know that I was a Christian. And, oh, yeah, I suffered the, the making fun and all those other kind of things. But when they had a prayer request, when somebody got sick or somebody died, guess who they came to? Little old me. 
And, of course, they learned that you don't ask Sandra to pray when you're on break or something because, hey, guess what? I go over there and say, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't wait. So, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, sure. And, uh, but that I'll pray for them right then. And I've had, people, had God intervene, and, and someone at work that had the most vilest mouth, she, the only one that was better than her in the mouth was me before I got a Christian, became a Christian, because I could cuss like a sailor, and, and she was my replacement <laughs> when God saved me. And she came to me one day because she had a terrible headache. And I, you know, she did that and I prayed for her and through. But she came back later and said, you know what? God healed my headache. Because when you do it, it isn't up to me. See, we're so afraid that if something doesn't happen, it's our fault. Well, it's not our fault. All we are called to do is to be faithful and to be obedient to God's word. Then he's responsible for the fire, not me. I'm not going to work up any fire and dance around them or, or do anything like that to try and get God to move because God's only influenced by my heart and by our attitudes that we have towards something. So if we're desperate enough for that, Christianity has been watered down for so long it's not respected anymore. We spend so much time fighting amongst, the pe amongst different denominations and, and it's over ridiculous stuff. There are some people that like the King James Version. There's some that like the New King James Version. Who cares? If they're going to read it, read whatever they're going to read. Come on. And quit arguing and fighting over that. Let's worry about banding together and reaching the community for Christ. I don't care. God don't care. All he cares about is are you saved? When I stand before God, he isn't going to say, oh, Sandra, you were down there and you actually read the New Living Translation while you were preaching? Oh, no, 30 lashes. Or you actually read... The New International Version? Come on, Sonder, what's the matter with you? Don't you know that only the King James is the authorized version? The gospel is going to get, however they're going to receive it, that's what I'm going to give them. That's what I'm going to give the people. And we need to quit worrying about what version of the Bible we use and start worrying about which God we're serving, which God died on the cross. It wasn't me. It wasn't King James. It was Jesus that died, and that's what we need to lift up is Christ. And we need to band together to do that and quit worrying about the color of our songbooks or anything else that people have a, have a problem with. We need to start worrying about things that are important. And salvation is important because it has eternal ramifications, and that's what we need to be, be worried about. We gripe and moan instead of standing up for God, and we stand up for what we want. We don't have a problem standing up for what we want. Man, when they raise our taxes or something, man, we're right down there standing up complaining, aren't we? Hey, what's the matter with you? What are you doing here? But they want to pass uh, same-sex marriage. Well, I guess, yes, I don't like it, but what can I do? I'm just one person. We do more over our taxes than we do over something that is a terrible thing to happen. Not me. Hey, man, I'm emailing my senators. I'm emailing and say, hey, buddy, I don't want you supporting this. And they supported some things I disagree with. And I said, when, and I sent them back an email, when you, when you come up for election, I'm going to do everything I can to see to it that you don't run again or that you don't get elected. Amen. I tell them that. Because the more people complain, the more they're going to listen to them. The reason that homosexuality and some of these, these things are being listened to is because if you heard it, listened to it on the news, you'd swear that 80% of our population are that way. But in reality, there's only about 1% or 1.5% that are. So why is the other 99 or 98% putting up with it? Because we're trying to be tolerant. We're trying to be tolerant of all these other things. God wasn't tolerant with sin. Amen. If we're trying to be tolerant with sin, then God's never going to have a revival in our lives because God doesn't tolerate sin. He wants it out of the way, and he provided a way to get it out of the way. So we have to understand that. 
And Elijah did everything he could to lift up God and to honor God. And that's what we need to do in our lives. In Romans 8, 8, it says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. We can't please God when we're under the influence of our sinful nature. God wants to give us revival fire. He wants to give us power in our lives so we can overcome the sinful nature that we're fighting with. I know it's a battle in our lives, and every day we have to battle with this. But as the closer you get to God, the easier it is to live for God. Have you ever noticed that after you left, oh, man, a, a big heavy-duty power, anointed service, how hard it is for you to think about anything but God or what God wants in your life? Well, that's where God wants us to live and move and breathe is in that power, in that anointing. That's God's will for our life. At the Battle of Jericho, Joshua didn't knock down those walls. It was God that did it, and he did it in a ridiculous way. When Gideon killed, uh, won the battle with the Midianites, it wasn't Gideon that got the glory. It was God. God said, hey, 32,000 soldiers is too many. I only want 300. So I will be the one. They'll know that I did it, not you. And that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants us to look at the odds and say, who cares about the odds? When, it, when God's on your side, you're 100% correct. We have to make sure we're on the right side. There's the problem. And we have to let God's fire fall in our life if we want that to happen in our lives. We need to strip away everything in our life that we're trying to do on our own power. I don't care what it is. If, if we have a tendency to think that only if I'm teaching a Sunday school class do I need the anointing of God. Or only if I'm preaching do I need the anointing of God. But God wants us to walk in the anointing on the job, whether you're a welder, you work in the quality, you work in a manufacturing plant, whether you clean houses, no matter what you do, God wants that same anointing and that same power in your life there as he does for me up here on Sunday morning. And if I want the anointing of God in my life while I'm up here on Sunday morning, guess what? I have to invest time with God. Because God just says, oh, well, because you're your pastor in this church, I'm just going to go ahead and and anoint you and, and do everything that I need to do. It doesn't work like that. You, anything that we have in our lives, we've had to work for. If you have a new car, it wasn't given to you. You had to go out and work for it, didn't you? Yeah. You had to go out, and if you wanted a house, you have to make the payments. You may think you own that house, but miss a payment or two and find out. Right. If you don't pay your taxes, you may find out who owns that house. You don't own it. So if you want something from God, you have to invest the things that need it for that anointing. So if you're having a problem at work doing your job, ask God, say, anoint me at work, Lord. Help me. Praise you, Lord. Help me to, to walk in your spirit and in your anointing the same as I do when I come here to worship God. And we need God's anointing in our everyday life, no matter what it is. The same anointing is available to everyone this morning. But the problem is we have to invest in it. If I don't go to work for a month, I'm not going to get a paycheck. Unless you're Val and you've got severance coming. God doesn't have a severance plan. <laughs> God doesn't have a severance plan. He doesn't care whether or not, you, you, if you leave it over here, you don't get paid for eight weeks. You can't expect the anointing of God for eight weeks. You've got every single day of your life, you have to walk in that anointing and ask God to anoint you. I know there's times when you get up and things go wrong and things mess up and you may miss a time with God. But on those days that have those things happen to me, I, feel, I don't feel right. I feel out of place or I feel like I'm always in a rush. I know today when I had to run back up because I forgot the, the little flash drive with the music, I thought, man, and it just kind of puts you in a different thing. You know, I didn't get to do my ritualistic things that I do <laughs> on Sunday mornings <laughs> because I had a, had a, I don't know what it is in my mind because sometimes we're like that. And anyway, so we, gotta, we know that those are those times. But on those times, God's faithful because he understands. He said, God, I didn't have time. 
to be able to spend the time. But I'll tell you, I prayed all the way up there and all the way back, and it's about 15, 20 minutes each way, so I got, I got plenty, plenty of time in. So anyway, we have to be able to invest it, invest the time we need. Elijah drenched the altar, and God burned up the sacrifice, and the people were amazed. We need to drench the altar. Yes. 